0: From to Mone, they're
1: here to slay the art history babes. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey. I'm Jen. I'm Ginny. I'm Natalie. And we are the art history babes. And today we're talking about alchemy and art, Ooh. which is very exciting. I just did all my like research today, but it's... There's a lot of layers. There's a lot of just a plethora of stuff to talk about. It's a very vast topic. So, um, we're gonna get into some of that. But first, a couple of announcements. First and foremost, the author of the seminal art history text with ways of seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, John Berger passed away yesterday, which is a bummer. Rest like in peace. peace. But if you haven't read that book, you totally should. It's fantastic. It's a really easy read. It's very short. And it's just—it's basically like, I don't know. He was one of the first like art theorists to just be like, you know what? I'm sick of arts bullshit. So he was a pretty great man. And he did the whole like BBC special that like the book was written, off, written after. And did a lot of art historical work and criticism. So John Berger... Thank you for... Thanks, sir. Thank thanks. you for all Thanks you for helping us see. Yeah, we appreciate it. He did, though. He really helped us see. So we have a guest with us today. Hooray! We love her. She's we love her beautiful. so much. Miss Faith is a MFA art student, and she is here to help us talk about alchemy, because it's also an interest of hers. Um, but first, we're going to pass it over to her and let her talk a little bit about her artwork and such. Faith!
0: Hello! Faith. Faith! I feel so welcome. It's so weird to be here. I feel like I should cook because I always listen to you guys when I'm cooking. <laughs> that is the like a form of Yeah, definitely. All right, so I should preface this by saying I urge you to go to my website to like mm-hmm. look at the work because I talk about my work Almost every day, and it's very unsatisfying because it's yeah. like a visual communication. So, yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, yes.
2: We'll post a link. Awesome. Okay. Yeah,
1: we'll, we'll have a link for Faith's work. What is the website? It's my name, FaithSponsler.com,
0: S P O N S L E R. Perfect. Well, I'm just going to get into a little bit of the ideas that I'm interested in and how I explore them. I'm interested in ideas of transformation, chance processes, and the relationships between objects, environments, and mental spaces. I explore these ideas through a wide range of media, including, but not limited to ink, that I make myself, found objects, plaster, and cement. And these have recently been forming into site-specific installations that include the floor, walls, and sometimes paper, instead of single separate art objects. The ink is probably the most important part of the process. Uh, I find all of the materials myself sourced from specific environments. It's a two-part chemical mix with one part tannins and the other part iron. The tannins come from these things called oak galls, which it was like a whole other can of worms.
1: Yeah, <laughs> what is that? I don't It's know
0: super interesting. Is. Should I go into it? Sure, again? yeah. Right. Yeah, Well, definitely. oak galls are like these sort of like weird bulbous growths on some oak trees
2: oh. made from
0: these insects called gall wasps, which they're not mm. like... They're wasps. not, like, regular wasps. Mm-hmm. They're, like, little tiny uh, fly-like things that have this specific protein that they sort of, not inject, but, <laughs> like, put, put on the oak tree. And it basically programs it to make this, like, bulb for its larva Whoa. to eat out of. Whoa. <laughs> and so I just recently learned that tannins in plants, like, high concentrations are, um, like, a defense mechanism. They're really bad for animals to eat. So that makes sense, right? For Mm -hmm. the insect to like do this thing that makes this bulb. So they have a lot of tannins, which is what I need. And that's what I use with the iron. So the second part is the iron, which I get from found metal objects. So those are the two parts for the ink that I use. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's it's a pretty brief overview, but if you. Look that was at school, good. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, it's interesting. So, so
3: you are like an alchemist.
1: Pretty much. Yeah. She's an alchemist. Yeah. Thanks, wow. Jen. That's amazing. <laughs> amazing. You are. It's super interesting. I love hearing about like different processes and stuff because, like, as art historians we so rarely get to actually work with materials and like playing yeah. with cool shit like that like totally. that's just really interesting mm-hmm. and what what was the the bulbous thing you were talking about they're again? called oak galls oak oh, galls. galls you probably <laughs> all like felt them in
0: they're my studio because like... i make you like
2: hold <laughs> <laughs> them like sponge. Like that's not a good way to describe they're them, like really porous like...
0: and light. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. You You have so many
4: cool things in your studio all the time, just like tactile, Mm -hmm. like great fun things.
1: That's why I like them. Be sure to check out Faith's work, it's really cool, and perfect kind of segue into our topic today. She's interested in alchemy, obviously, she kind of is an alchemist. Before we started recording, we just got... Presence from Miss Faith, um, which is kind of like an alchemical alchem- process. Totally, Like yeah. it's really interesting. There are these prints that like appear when you use like coffee to right. Cause like how has tannins. Yeah, there you go. Black tea Cold would work, work too, but black tea. So okay. there were these um these like winter solstice prints and we're supposed to submerge them in coffee or tea yeah, and then yes. they appear magically. It's going to be so cool. I'm so excited for it.
3: I'm really looking forward to doing that with the little leftover coffee that I have
0: in my pot yes. in the morning. Yeah.
1: yeah.
3: I'm just
0: gonna kind of do that and be like, well imagine You can even if you're like me and like can't bear to waste drinkable coffee, you can even like pour some extra hot water in your grounds and it'll work.
3: Ooh. Damn for the cheapo I am the cheapo
1: <laughs> Faith, do you want to start with a little bit of historical information that you have? Sure,
0: yeah as as you touched on it's like a very complicated history that's like spotty because like a lot of literature was lost like right. in the early days yeah. um, I actually didn't really know a lot about alchemy until my professors were like, how do you not know about this? and I'm like, I don't know that's <laughs> so relevant to me <laughs> Oh, also, I should mention, before I get into history, the most common contemporary pop culture reference is, of course, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Yes! Which was changed to the Sorcerer's Stone I, by American publishers. Why did they do the, that? I don't or... know. It means nothing. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. no, it looks like a Philosopher's right. Stone in the movie. Exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, it's supposed to... And Nicolas Flamel was a real person, guys. Because Because a medieval, like, Parisian notary. It's not. They couldn't translate
3: the word philosopher. Exactly. (laughs) Someone just thought, like,
0: oh, sorcerer sounds cool. That's more marketable.
3: (laughs) Dumb. So dumb. Anyway,
0: the history of alchemy. So, the history of alchemy is usually divided into three main chronological periods, which are the Greco Egyptian and later Byzantine, which stretched from the third to ninth century and set many of alchemy's uh, main foundations. And then there was the Arabic or Islamic period, uh, which stretched from the eighth to 15th century that took its Greek heritage and really augmented it with theoretical frameworks and a lot of practical techniques and knowledge. And then alchemy arrived in medieval Europe where it received its largest following. Its golden age was really during the early modern period from the 16th to early 18th century, an era known as the Scientific Revolution. Oh! Yeah! (laughs) Science! Um, Yeah, so it's, like, real complicated, but that's the most, like, brief history I could come up with. As for the very basic concepts, uh, the main goal of alchemy that stuck throughout its history was the search of finding a way to turn base metals, such as uh, lead, tin, copper, mm-hmm. and the like into gold or silver. Mm-hmm. This process was called transmutation, which I know Corey is going to go more in depth with, as well as the Philosopher's Stone. There were four distinct stages to this process called negretto, a blackening, albedo, a whitening, citronitas, a yellowing, mm-hmm. and rubedo, a red, or er, first one was yellowing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah and rubedo, a reddening, or purpling. A lot of alchemical imagery contains these colors, but something so fascinating about alchemy and its imagery is just how shrouded in secrecy
1: it is. Right. Wow.
0: Like, that's, oh, it just me <laughs> the so fascinating. Um, it's like a
1: super secret club, basically. I, exactly.
0: Yeah, a lot of the imagery contained, like, allegories, archetypes, metaphors analogies and like who knows what else like to keep it so secret and and, like to keep it from getting into the wrong hands because that was that was a thing like alchemists wanted to keep themselves safe also from those who would like seek the alchemists who supposedly knew these like really powerful secrets Mm. sort of similar to the tarot
1: actually yeah
0: yeah And that's all I got for that brief history. Now I'm going to pass it over to Corey for some more in-depth stuff.
1: Thank you, Faith. Of course. (laughs) My pleasure. That was lovely. (laughs) And we'll hear a little bit more from Faith on some contemporary artists that kind of work with alchemy as well, which is super cool. So I have this book, Astrology, Magic, and Alchemy in Art. It looks so cool. It's so cool. <laughs> like I, I'm really, I've had it for a long time. It's one of those books I've had for a long time, but yeah. I just it's just been sitting on my bookshelf, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm really excited to spend more time with it because I basically just spent like a few hours with it today to research for this, and it's amazing. Like it's just so cool. I and borrow it. yeah, definitely, you can definitely borrow it. So a lot of my information is coming from the alchemy section of this book, kind of piggybacking off of. Some of the historical information that Faith was talking about. Okay, so alchemy, just as a practice, been around for a long time. Um, according to this, it says that it can be traced back to uh, Vedic India, um, and then it kind of spread throughout the Mediterranean between the eighth and seventh century BC. But there's also like connections to it as far back as like the twelfth or twelfth century, thirteenth century. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. one of those things that's really big and complicated. It's related to Pythagoreanism, uh, Hermeticism, which Jenny's going to talk about a little bit later, and the Kabbalah,
2: Oh, right. yes. which
1: I thought was really interesting because huh. I don't know anything about the Kabbalah except that like M- M- Madonna God. yeah I yeah. was exactly what I was about yes
0: the red bracelet
4: yeah yes. it says
1: that Madonna was into it for a while well,
0: not to re- reiterate but the tarot is like heavily influenced by Kabbalistic ideas Ooh, awesome ah. we're gonna do an episode on tarot yes.
3: yeah can you tell learning. I'm like itching yeah <laughs> no Faith <laughs> is gonna
1: <laughs> is gonna return for our tarot Faith episode our
3: tarot Queens. Um,
1: Because if you're familiar with the tarot, just in like, no matter how you feel about it, the illustrations of tarot cards are amazing. Super like, cool. You can find so many cool tarot card decks and it's very historical and it's been around for a long time. So it's a super interesting topic, which we will also do an episode on. Similarly, alchemy has all of the same connections. Faith kind of talked about it a little already. It's hard to put like a hard definition on something like alchemy because it's so old and complicated and it's this big idea but um it can be kind of considered a form of knowledge that aims to transform the individual psychologically and spiritually by channeling the creative energies that permeate nature and the human mind so that's that's a big thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so cool. <laughs> um, and it can be divided into two different kinds of alchemy. There's technical alchemy. So that's more like the actually working with like metals and, and stuff. And then theoretical alchemy, which is more the mystical spiritual side of things. And so you're dealing with just like, a search for perfection basically in the natural world um as faith said the transmutation of base metals into gold i think is the thing people most often yeah, yeah. um associate with it the creation of an elixir of Im- immortality um <laughs> i love that oh. <laughs> um and then also the conquering of the philosopher's stone which is a very important symbol that I'll get into a little bit more in depth in a little while. So it's a very mystical. Obviously, we have learned you can't turn base metals into gold. So things about alchemy have been debunked. But that doesn't mean that there haven't been a lot of great, interesting things pulled from alchemy in history and in art. Interestingly, some scientific discoveries that were the result of alchemy were uh, alcohol distillation. Sure, why not? So, thanks, alchemy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks, alchemy. Uh, understanding the composition of porcelain. And also the invention of gunpowder. So, not so much thanks, alchemy.
2: But.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you can um, them all. Yeah, you can't. Get the bad with the good. Yeah. yeah. And there is an image in this book which we will put up on the website that is basically, it's a alchemical allegory. It is a frontispiece from Francois Bero- Berolde de Vaville. Basically, I mean, the image is, it looks kind of like the cover of, of a book or something, and it, it has all of these symbols of alchemy, like uh, um, at the top, the phoenix is the crown of the alchemical opus. It represents the spiritual divine dimension from which souls were born. Uh, You also have down in the bottom right-hand corner a philosopher that achieves the perfection of man and nature from both the physical point of view and that of energy and spirit. So this idea of like this embodiment of perfection that they're seeking with alchemy. And then over on the left-hand side, there's a snake and dragon intertwined. Um, they express the union of sulfur and mercury in addition to being a symbol of universal totality and the harmony of opposites, which is also an idea I'm going to get into a little bit more. Um, and there's a few other ones as well, but there's just it's just kind of this conglomeration of different symbols of alchemy in this image, which leads me to a bunch more symbols of alchemy. <laughs> <laughs> so there are a ton of them, and I don't have time to get into every single one of them. If you're interested, I strongly suggest you get this book. It's really well done. I think it was done by the Getty, actually, I'm pretty sure. J. Paul Getty Museum, Los Angeles. So check this book out, but just some symbols and how they can relate to alchemy. Went been into some symbology here. I feel like the Da Vinci Code... (laughs) (laughs) so light and shadow alchemy is concerned with binaries um you have like human and divine male and female sun and moon hot and cold basically all the binaries that's a big focus of alchemy because like theoretical alchemy claims to be this branch of universal knowledge that is based in the principle of harmony of opposites so there's harmony found in these Binaries. And so that is something that's used a lot in alchemical knowledge. Um, Another one is the metaphor of the journey. So, like, journey narratives are really common.
2: Mm. The Alchemist is like my favorite book in the world by Paulo Coelho. So yeah. That's like all I know about alchemy, but it's so good. That's, and yeah. Is, uh, no, it's it's really sorry good. to cut you off for you. Right no, now. it's okay. It really Excites me. Um, <laughs> no, the
1: Alchemist is a, also a fantastic novel. So another book for you to check out, and it's very much about the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's a great, great book. This journey narrative is used to kind of describe the unfolding of the alchemical process. Which, the goal of which is the integration of the psychic, energetic, and corporeal principles that preside over the life of man and the universe. So it's this journey to finding this perfection, basically. Um, and then another one, this one's probably one of my favorites. I just, I don't know, I just think it's a cool symbol, and you see it in a lot of art. But it's the idea of God the architect. And this is usually an image of a God figure commanding chaos or measuring the world with a compass. We'll also post an image of this. The image that we'll post is actually from circa twelve twenty. So like a long ass time ago. Wow. And it's just like, just like this dude. Looks like Jesus. He looks yeah. he, he looks, yeah. looks like very, Jesus to
3: me. Like he's concentrating very Yeah, hard. it's a very con <laughs> like, eyes.
1: He's, <laughs> and Jesus is getting down to business and he's got in in he's his hands. He
2: looks like he hasn't slept for a few days. <laughs> it's true. He's it's, creating the world. I mean yeah, it's,
3: it's not an it's easy, easy job. He, he pulled it all
4: later, okay?
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. His eyes, he looks kind of bugged out, and he's focusing on this circular object with which, yeah, I mean, in 1220 BC, it's probably representing the world because we didn't know that much about the world. But it also reminds me of, like, a cell, like a human cell. It looks like a cell. Yeah. Away. So it's kind of interesting because it works on, like, a macrocosmic and microcosmic level, you know. He's being the architect of the universe. And it's, yeah, it's a great image. And it also represents kind of this clashing of the mystical and the rational. And, like, we talked about science. Like, science is starting to become a thing. and Yeah. But we're still... You know, we, there's still all these mystical layers of existence. So, I mean, anything that combines those two things, like the mystical and the rational, I think is fantastic. Why so, yeah. people
2: stop doing that?
1: I don't know. I think I'm I. I'm doing it,
2: guys. <laughs> Faith <laughs> is doing it.
1: I'm seeing a comeback. I think it's. I it's, think. I think you're right. I think it's happening again, and I'm very excited about it because mystical things lead to the most interesting scientific questions. Mm-hmm. So well, I think
0: it, it like expands your mind to think yeah. about things that you wouldn't normally think are possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So leads you to conclusions you wouldn't well, normally.
2: Science wouldn't be a thing without people doing exactly like you were saying, right. imagining something that they couldn't prove and seemed impossible. I mean, that's where all science has come from. Exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, all <Exactly>. of it. <laughs> and yeah, a lot of so the, more? the best scientists were definitely out there in their thinking. It's all, right. it's all about trying to understand the world and the world isn't necessarily rational. So you can't look right. at it totally rationally. But, yeah, so that's a very interesting aspect of alchemy and why, you know, I think it's very relevant, like, in your work and, like, it's just a very a relevant thing to be playing with. Because, yeah, so we learned we can't turn base metals into gold. That doesn't mean the entire thing isn't, you know, important in the understanding of the scientific world, you know?
2: Right, right. Okay,
1: so another symbol, uh, the alchemical atom, um, which is referring to the story of Adam and Eve, which, you know, is, like a bananas misogynistic story, but <laughs> <laughs> bananas <star. laughs> um, No way! <laughs> but this kind of goes back to the binary idea. You know, you have Adam and Eve, male and female. And the story is like Adam was born from the breath of God, and therefore within him is the secret of universal creation, which is exactly what alchemy is searching for. So Adam connects to alchemy in that kind of way. Um, then we have the Christ Lapis. Which Lazy. is basically... Yeah, it's like lapis lazuli. Um, <laughs> if you remember a color theory episode, Wrong. we talked about... <laughs> if you remember a color theory episode, we talked about lapis lazuli, pretty I'm blue wearing, stone. I'm wearing earrings
4: right now. <laughs> Those are beautiful. Lapis
1: Christ lapis is basically Christ as a metaphor for the philosopher's stone. So that's lapis is stone. Like, that's kind of the idea Um, is that Christ being used in certain contexts is the embodiment of the Philosopher's Stone, um, which leads me to the Philosopher's Stone. Um, So the Philosopher's Stone, this is a very important aspect of alchemy. It is the stone that transforms base metals into gold, and frees the vital spirit permeating all substances in the universe from their bodily incrustations. It is said to heal any physical, psychological, or mental imperfection, extend human life. Uh, It is also a metaphor for spiritual elevation. By obtaining the Philosopher's Stone, one is able to reproduce the vital spark of life, essentially. So, that one thing that, you know, science doesn't understand, <laughs> that nobody really knows, like, what it actually is. That's what the Philosopher's Stone is supposed to do. Um, and it can be it can be depicted in a number of ways. Like I mentioned, the Christ figure can kind of overlap. It can be depicted as a diamond, as a square surmounted by a cross. Or as a thin, incorruptible substance that permeates the universe. Whoa. And that idea it made me like instantly know. think of like dark matter. Yeah. That, you know, the twenty five percent of the universe is made up of dark matter and we don't actually know what it is. It's basically just like a layer that just permeates our life and right. <laughs> it's really tricky. <laughs> we should we should call up Neil deGrasse Tyson and be like Oh,
2: fantastic! That would be so cool, Neil Connors show. If, you, if he's busy, I could try and contact my undergrad astrology teacher, astronomy. Astronomy. I do that like <laughs> once Me every time. fifty times I talk about it. Me Actually, time. probably more. That would be cool too. I like do. I, like Doctor O. Let's get Doctor O on the show. <laughs> he's if very you're cute.
1: listening,
2: he's one of those guys who's like he's like. If you think aliens don't exist, you're high. <laughs> Get
0: out of my face. Yeah. <laughs> He's basically the guy from Ancient Aliens. Yes.
2: Oh, I haven't seen yes. that
1: before. Dude, I've been watching Dude, since we talked about it. I've been talking fun. about I've been watching Ancient Aliens. That show is so nuts. Good.
2: Yeah.
1: I want to do a crop circles episode really bad. Totally. Because I mean they're art. Like, I'm gonna I mean, now. we're we're getting
3: crazy with <laughs> episode ideas. To
1: be fair, crop circles have been proven to be created by humans, so they're just art created Which by humans. even cooler. Yeah, but they're really cool. I've
3: never watched Ancient Aliens. Is it worth what? watching? Really? Yeah, yeah, no, it's I've, yeah. I've never seen it. It's I If you oh. watch it
0: and you're like bored with it, then you should watch the Vice Channel that has like really stoned guys watching it, <laughs> and it's like like there's green
1: screen behind them, and it's amazing. Back to symbols of alchemy. So then another interesting symbol is the rebus, which is in, huh. which I will also put an image of because there's this really great image oh, here. Oh, wow. Yeah.
2: Look at <laughs>
1: of their
2: pubic hair. Yeah, like, <laughs> what, what is, is so going much
4: longer on there?
3: No. She has the longest pubes oh. I have
2: ever seen. <laughs> that's like mid-thigh.
1: Yeah, oh. that's crazy. So the That's Rebus the is a I'm two-headed nervous. figure endowed with both male and female attributes. Which is just an interesting figure in alchemy and history because as mentioned before, alchemy is really concerned with these binaries. So the Rebus is this configuration of these like binaries. You know, you have male and female together in one being. Um, but it's very like like what it looks like is a siamese twin according mm-hmm. to this image but one's male and one's female which isn't a thing that happens but um but it's interesting and <laughs>
2: <laughs> 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 it's that <laughs> 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 that just, like l- like slowly
3: well because isn't
2: <laughs>
1: siamese twins they have to be the same gender don't they
3: I don't, I don't know, know about that. that. No. I, actually, I
4: don't know. Because they I don't have know. to be
1: from the same egg to be Siamese twins? You're right. Yeah. Am I right? Yes. I could are. be wrong. Don't no, you I think so.
4: you're right. No, I think you are because every Siamese twin I've seen has been. Yeah, yeah. that's what I was going to say. We could
1: be wrong, but I just thought Siamese twins had to be from the same egg, yeah. therefore they'd have to be the you same. You can ones. email
4: us if we're wrong. Please. Yeah, please with, do. With
1: sources. Because, yeah. So <laughs> like um, yeah, we could be wrong there, but that was just, you know, what I thought. Another symbol... Uh, the hermetic Mercury. Ooh. Mercury, so as I said, Jenny's going to talk about hermeticism a little bit. But Mercury from the Roman pantheon is a god. He is the father of alchemy and guardian um, guardian god of the occult sciences. He is able to adopt the form of any substance, embodying the synthesis of the different dimensions of reality. So that's cool. That is cool. Um, And then we also have the hermetic Saturn, which is considered the inspiring star of alchemists and necromancers. He is personified as an old man, lost in thought, or taking a purifying bath. Also often depicted as a king devouring a stone or his children. Saturn devouring Uh, is, yeah, Um, that's a whole thing. Let's see, there's also melancholy, um, which is a lot of times represented as a man deep in thought or a sad, grieving woman. This is another interesting one. Quintessence is a ethereal element that vivifies the universe, and it may be represented as a golden rope connecting the different realms of reality or as the elixir of life. Quintessence. It's a word to know. I feel um, like you just
2: finished that in spelling bee. <laughs> Quintessence. <laughs> Can I have it in a sentence, <laughs>
1: Actually, when I was looking at... Uh, mm-hmm. The other, there's another image from melancholy in here, and it reminded me a lot of dirt yeah, yeah. because yeah, yeah. of the melancholia print. And then that brings me to another one that I'm excited to talk about, which is the elements: water, yes. air, earth, and fire. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Um, okay, okay, so the four elements basically combine to make up the philosopher's stone. So the four elements work together in perfect harmony.
2: just like us (laughs) exactly
1: so the idea is like the four elements work together in perfect harmony to make the philosopher's stone and we always have a whole thing where like the four of us are all one of the elements we're all elements Mm -hmm. because we vibe so well together i want to read just a little chunk of about the elements in this book in the manifold system of correspondences, physical, spiritual, and cosmological, that regulate hermetic knowledge, each element is associated with a part of the human body, a human temperament, a zodiac sign, a metal, and a season of the year. Testicles, melancholic humor, Capricorn, winter, and lead are associated with earth. Also, Natalie is earth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I am too. <laughs> as is faith. Faith, faith is an earth sign as well. The brain, phlegmatic humor, cancer, summer, and copper are associated with water. That's me. I'm water. Um, Liver, sanguine humor, libra, fall, and tin are associated with air. That's Ginny. Ah. And the heart, choleric humor, Aries, spring, and iron are associated with fire. Which is Jen. <laughs> Choleric. <humor.
2: laughs> Perfect. I'm um, the only one who got genitalia. <laughs> you got testicles.
1: <laughs> testicles. Wait, wait I what, did who, too.
2: Corey, yeah, what, wait, were you telling me that Capricorn's the father of the Zodiac? Yes, he is. That's why.
1: That's why. Right? I mean, yeah. to be
2: a dad... Ooh. You gotta
4: have testicles. Yeah, I guess
2: so. Ginny's the liver. <laughs> <laughs> no.
4: See, the interesting thing about that is that I've always drank a lot of water throughout my whole life. So I'm flushing well, out.
1: And Taking care of that liver. I'm,
3: yeah. I'm the heart, which makes sense because I'm always emotional about something.
1: <laughs> and I'm, I'm the brains of the operation. Wow. <laughs> that's also accurate. Right. But yeah, so the elements can be used to kind of represent this harmony that is uh, found in the Philosopher's Stone and in alchemy. And there's this image of uh, Titian's pastoral concert. And you've probably seen it before if if you've had, you know, undergrad classes in art history. But it's a famous painting by Titian and it's really interesting because there's four figures and each one of them is said to represent one of the elements. Yeah, it's just a way I never really thought about looking at this painting before. So we'll post that on the website. The woman kind of off to the left is water. The um, lute player that's dressed in all red is fire. The young man with his hair blown in the wind is is air. And um, the woman that is kind of seen from the back, and she is believed to be pers- the personification of Earth. So you have the, the four... Elements. Naked booty out. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You and I are the naked ones. We're just chilling. That's all, that's all that I that I seems
2: ask very for. <laughs> fitting. Right, <laughs> <sitting> <laughs> <and laughs> like a lifelong nudist.
1: Right, and I'm like naked and playing with water, which well, is perfect. I'll post a, a naked
2: baby picture of me and on I'm the website. The loot player. <laughs> yes, I you are the loot player. You're now. you're
1: decked out. Just and, show it
2: like, to me, no, and i you. Embroidered robes.
1: Yes,
3: you fancy. I'm fancy Jen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and Two of our <laughs> listeners will get that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we got fancy Jen over here in no! the red ropes, and then, and then Jen's got the disheveled hair. Where? <laughs> <where's>,
3: uh, <laughs> the young. Yeah, because your hair's being blown by the wind. Because you're air. <laughs> because oh, your hair, air. Yeah, disheveled. That's you. That. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Another uh, symbol, metals, obviously. Every metal is associated with a planet, color, vice, and virtue, and an evangelist, um, except for silver and gold. Silver is associated with the moon and gold with the sun. Then animals. There are a lot of animals that are associated with alchemy. Um, We have bird, snake, dragon, lion, and phoenix, and also the unicorn, apparently, which I was very excited about. Yeah, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) So the unicorn stands for uh, the double nature, divine and demonic, double nature of Quicksilver, which is also known as mercury. Quicksilver, mercury. Mercury is like the prime thing used in alchemy. So So the unicorn, who knew? Um, And then uh, magistry, alchemists at work in a lab. Uh, the ritual of mass, or the fetus in the mother's womb can all represent magistry. Uh This involves, basically involves both the physical and spiritual transformation. Chemical wedding, the perfect synthesis of cosmic polarities, which can be represented in art as a nuptial bath, the union of king and queen, sun and moon, brother and sister, or mother and son. Um, and obviously chemical wedding, like transmutation, you you know, wedding chemicals together. Right. The alchemical fountain is a three-tiered fountain or a spring from the tree of life. Uh, also, can easily be read as the fountain of youth, for sure, because life and vitality yeah. comes from it. Um, and then the philosopher's egg is uh, a lot like the philosopher's stone, except it's an egg, and it's an <laughs> emblem. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's,
1: it's an emblem of gestating life. Uh, the egg is associated with the theme of cosmic rebirth. And it's basically, I mean, it's actually really interesting when you think about it like this. It's a symbol of order and differentiation of primordial chaos because it's like the egg is where life begins. Yeah. So it's all of primordial chaos in this little. This little little egg. And this are little you guys egg.
2: familiar with Vladimir Kush? No. Mm-mm. Oh well, he does these like they're like New Age surrealist paintings, but he has one that's like an egg. It's all it's all super trippy, but it's an egg cracking, and then the yolk is the sun, so it's like mm. a set like a water sunset scene, and so the sides Ooh. of the eggs, the shell, are like cracking. He does like all of those things where it's like two things merging. It's using the egg as both like this precious
1: stone but also like there's there's life Mm -hmm. breathing from it um some other symbols uh the ladder which is used kind of similar to the journey like the ladder is Mm -hmm. reaching this like perfection Mm -hmm. of the the laboratory where the alchemical transmutation is happening um the hermetic vase uh masters and disciples this kind of goes back to what Face was talking about with this whole initiatory knowledge, very secretive. It had to be like passed down to you. It had to be something you had the ins to understand alchemy. It was very secretive. So having images of masters and disciples kind of represents that like, you know, basically giving of the alchemical secrets and knowledge. And then the last one I want to talk about is one of my favorites as well, because I just thought it was super interesting and never would have thought about it this way. Um, children's games oh. can be... <laughs> right? Uh, that was my exact reaction. That's, uh, that's crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> <laughs> children's games can be related to alchemy. Um, basically play being used as a metaphor for life. Um, and I'm just going to like read this little chunk because I just think it's really cool. An expression of the victorious struggle against one's own fears... Play is a metaphor for life and for the Hermetic Magistry, since it joins together the concepts of totality, rule, and freedom, because it aims to tame creatively the anarchy of the elements and the passions. Children's games truly embody the very goal of alchemy, an artificial process that aims to bring nature's work to perfection. In this esoteric context, children's games, often depicted with hoops or balls, which are symbols of the totality of the cosmos and the eternal recurrence of events, hint that the conquest of the Philosopher's Stone can be achieved by putting into play unconscious psychic forces, similar to those used by children to animate their games. So, it's kind of this really interesting... Like, I mean, it goes back to trying to make order out of chaos. You know, it's why we play games. Right. It's like just taking what's given to us by the universe and turning it into something orderly and like with meaning. So I just thought that was really cool. (laughs) cool. And this image has fantastic has some little baby booty. Oh, those two little
3: quail,
4: Yeah, swinging one. Yeah, there's a
1: little swinging pootie. Honestly, like
4: his legs, so pootie are just timeless. They are. They're in everything. (laughs) Add panache to any painting.
1: They really do. If you're not, if you're like (laughs) working on a painting and it's not quite there yet, add a (laughs) pootie.
2: Sprinkles on a painting. Okay. Oh. I cannot wait to see Pootie to start cropping up in your work. Oh, <laughs> oh
1: man, that'd be so great! Pootie is
2: <laughs> gonna creep up there. <laughs> I don't know how. Somebody... Pootie just coming out of the oh corner. Just <laughs> um, in your studio, like up
4: in yeah, the ceiling. Like on
2: the seo- yeah, I don't have a ceiling. Oh shit! Yeah. Can we hang them though? Maybe you can do whatever you want. Last symbol.
1: Also the wheel.
2: Ah, uh, yes. Of
1: course, the wheel. Um, symbol of cosmic, natural, and psychic totality. So, you know. So
4: <laughs> <laughs> NBD.
1: <N-D-D-M-A-N-A-N-A>. Yeah. <laughs> so, there's a lot of symbols in alchemy, and those weren't even all of them. Like I couldn't even talk about all, all of them. So, check out this book and other books about alchemy and art, because it's really fucking fascinating. Um, yeah. I'm going to pass it over to Jenny, and she's going to talk about hermetics and some other cool alchemy shit.
4: Okay. <laughs> When I was doing research on alchemy, like we said at the beginning, there's so many layers to it and it can get very complex. There's still a huge majority that I don't know about it. But what kind of struck a chord with me was Hermeticism. And I have a bit of experience with this, somewhat limited, but in my own research kind of regarding the 17th century and how some 17th century European scholars regarded Egypt and um, this kind of concept of Hermeticism and these Greek slash Egyptian sages. So I'll get into that in a moment. But first, um, the book that I consulted, and we'll have this up on the website, that it's from the Hermetic Museum, and it's called Alchemy and Mysticism. And so they're written in a way that presents kind of like instruction And the original, uh, text was written in the 17th century in Germany, and it compiled various, um, alchemical texts, and then it was republished and republished and republished, and so this is, like, a very contemporary version that is made a little bit more friendly to kind of your average person, like myself. There was still a lot in it that I read, I was like, I don't know what they're saying. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) for the most part, I got it. So... The original, as I said, was written in the form of kind of a dialogue, and it was written in a way that was meant to be instructional, where a particular person in this case, um, Hermes Trismegistus, who I'll talk about very shortly, is enlightening a disciple. And so the various topics that are touched upon in this text cover things including the divine, nature, astrology, and of course, alchemy. And so the Hermetic Museum kind of touches upon all these different things, but most of what I was looking at was alchemy, of course. So when we're talking about this guy, Hermes, who's Hermes, right? So Hermes is, or in particular, Hermes Trismegistus was the father of mysticism and alchemy. That's how he was viewed um, by a lot of people kind of in and around the world of alchemy. So Hermes is a hybrid between Greek and Egyptian gods as Greek colonists in Egypt in the late classical period claimed that the Greek uh, winged messenger god Hermes was also thought the Egyptian god of writing and magic. So Hermes really grew to embody these different concepts of both magic and textual decipherment but also heavily involved in the visual world and the alchemists saw him as their kind of Moses who had handed down the divine commandments of their art in what they called the emerald tablet or the tab- I'm okay tab <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I know it, it, it's you're I'm going to say it here and I'm like oh yeah tabula. that's hard tabula smaragdina Mm-hmm. Tab- tabula smaragdina. Okay. That was good.
3: That was good. Um.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Nailed and so it. this is kind of like their, almost their version of the Ten Commandments, and that it's laws written onto like a physical piece of stone. And so this uh, emerald tablet was said to contain the secret of the prima materia, which is first matter. And this is the material that is needed in creating the philosopher's stone as well as the transmutation, which is the process of changing something into gold. So this is a tradition. Hermeticism is very closely linked to alchemy, and it's just one aspect of it. But my own experience with it is, uh, in my own research, I kind of blend together different aspects of 17th century European uh, philosophy and art and religion and how they viewed Egypt and in particular there is a German Jesuit pri- uh, priest. I was going to say prince. <laughs> uh, he's just a he was a priest <laughs> and his name was Athanasius Kircher and Athanasius Athanasius Kircher is also in this alchemy book that I have. A lot of what can get confusing with this is that so much of the traditions involved in alchemy kind of ride these various lines where there are Christian undertones, not even undertones, they're overtones. Christianity is um, certainly interwoven throughout it. But then there's also an emphasis on mysticism and magic, and they're able to kind of blend them together in a way that seemed to work (laughs) for the time at least. And so Athanasius Kircher was one of these guys and there's a lovely engraving <laughs> and we'll post this on the website he just looks adorable he looks like oh, a like a so little <laughs> like i would love to have like a plastic version of this with a light inside and put it on my lawn <laughs>
3: <laughs> not, e- not
4: even at like holiday time just all the time just a little guy he would just protect, protect you. you yeah he looks so genuine i know he does, he does. So in this uh, print, the description is here, Kircher is receiving instruction from the angel Cosmiel, who is guiding him on an extended dream journey through the competing astronomical systems. He favored the cosmology of Brahe, don't know who that is, sorry, Uh, since he wanted to do justice to the fundamental experience of geocentricity, while at the same time wanting to give an appropriate status to the sun, which in the hermetic view represents the divine in the cosmos. And the sun is, of course, a symbol that we see quite a bit in alchemy. Uh, So hermeticism, like I said, it, it really runs in a lot of ways parallel to alchemy and is quite integral to alchemy and what i was really struck by when i was researching about alchemy was kind of this dual relationship between the emphasis on text and deciphering text but also kind of the visuals so the symbols that are represented and especially this connection to ancient egypt and how ancient egypt and kind of the mythology of ancient egypt is really considered a source of, like, kind of this original knowledge in mysticism and magic, but also advancements in engineering and mathematics. And so this is where Kircher comes in, because he did a lot of work in deciphering hieroglyphics. I say that kind of with air quotes, because as we know hieroglyphics now and how they have been deciphered now, what he was doing was really uh, incorrect. <laughs> um, but he was doing it all through kind of this perceived, like, Mystical, divine sort of providence, where he was deciphering these because of these greater powers and this Hermes sage god guy. That's um, a big part of alchemy and a big part of um, hermeticism. So that was my own kind of take on this, and I'm still processing a lot of it. <laughs> and uh, there, there's just a lot to say about it, but it's. Alchemy just touches upon so many different aspects of different kind of Christian branch offs. And we had mentioned this a while ago. I had gone to an exhibit. There's a museum in San Jose, California called the Rosicrucian. And the Rosicrucian Museum has an excellent permanent um, collection of ancient Egyptian art. And they even have a few mummies.
1: Mummies.
4: Oh, a, a few mummies. <laughs> yeah. Not just, just one, just but a few, few mummies. Yeah.
3: a few mummies. Like
4: <laughs> I just like love seeing mummies. Yes. We yes. gotta go visit. We, the mummies. We've gotta go. And so the thing that's really interesting about the Rosicrucian and the Rosicrucian, like the Rosicrucians are again kind of a branch off. They they are involved in alchemy and Involved in Christianity But also kind of incorporate Different aspects of um, Kabbalah and Hermeticism So it's all interconnected You know um, it's, it's, mess- crazy. it's crazy <laughs> Very confusing. It's so confusing Making So many connections I'm just saying it's all interconnected Because I'm, I'm still like huh, I don't know um, <laughs> But So the Rosicrucian Museum They have this uh, collection of Egyptian art but now they also have An alchemy museum and it's still ongoing like they're they're getting it together It's a kind of whole campus of the Rosicrucian Museum they have um, various libraries so they're working on the Alchemy Museum but they currently have an exhibit where they have they break down all the various different stages of alchemy and it's really it's pretty easy to follow and it's very well done and they have a recreation of an alchemist workshop. Which was like the <gasps> coolest thing I've ever seen. So, um, if you are ever around the area, I highly recommend checking it out. We should all go.
0: Can we go, please? Yes.
1: Do can it. for my
0: birthday.
4: Oh, yeah. yeah! We,
1: can,
2: maybe, yeah. Mm. we can make a night of it. Definitely. Yes.
4: So that's uh, hermeticism and some other stuff. (laughs) But I hope I made it make sense. You did.
1: I mean, it's it's a complicated topic. Like, I think we're all doing our best, but let's be honest, does
4: anyone
2: really understand alchemy? (laughs) I
4: wish I did, because I feel like then I'd really be like an enlightened, just...
0: Scholar, wizard, dude. Yeah, I mean, right. Yeah, right. Seriously, I've been You're reading doing. about it for a year and a
1: half, and I still don't know what the fuck it's about. <laughs> <laughs> like, really. No, I mean, exactly. it's no, just mysterious. That's what's so interesting about it, is it. It's this mysterious, complicated thing, but yet it permeated centuries yeah exactly and it it was both religious and scientific and it's just magical yeah and And it's like what um yeah it's crazy do you want to finish off with a few with a little bit on sure Anselm
0: yeah our boy I have like a little personal anecdote. Yay! I love personal <laughs> anecdotes. Leads into some information, but um, yeah. So I've had a love affair with Anselm Keeper for a very long time,
1: for I've real, sure.
0: But I was—I feel like I was only really exposed to like his great, like behemoth. Uh, paintings that were, you know, about Germany after World War II, and, like, that's all I knew. I mean, I loved them. Yeah. That, no, but, they're great. Like, yeah. That's all I knew. Until I went to the Broad for the first time. Oh, and I dope. Saw, yeah. yeah, I saw this piece. I didn't even know it was Kiefer's. It was, like, this really tall hunk of lead that had been treated, like, chemically, Whoa. so it was, like, all of these crazy colors, but, like, matte huh. silver or like gray and like silver and and it had these two photographs overlaid on top of it and i was obsessed with that it. sounds amazing yeah, yeah.
1: it does I, and I not know. i feel like i don't know like i love Kiefer, but kefir's work is very it's very kefir you know yeah. when you see it you're like right. yes and so to, like, be surprised by an Anselm Kiefer. No,
0: I was, like, totally taken by surprise. I was like, "What? Is this a
3: mistake? <laughs> <laughs> this does
0: not at all look like Keeper. Yeah. But, and so mm. I did some research when I got home, and I looked at what the Broad had in its permanent collection for Keeper. And, of course, they have, like, all of the classic, like, Kiefer-esque, Kiefer-esque paintings. Mm-hmm. But then they have, like, all of these pieces that are very similar to the one that I saw and loved and one of them I like spotted had alchemical symbols oh, the one, yeah like the one for air and the one for fire and then I saw that the title was athenor which let me tell you yes <laughs> I don't even know an athenor is a type of furnace used by the alchemists that was able to maintain heat for long periods of time And I was like, "What?" (laughs) Because I had just been researching alchemy and like getting super excited about it, and yeah, yeah, it was it was this whole new perspective on all of his work. And then I did more research. There was a period after Kiefer left Germany uh, for Barjac in southern France um, in the early '90s, and there was sort of the shift in his work that went from an emphasis on Sort of collective memory and national history to alchemical, yeah, that's it, to alchemical concern centered more on the individual. And he also, I found, uh, made this incredible series of woodcuts during that time that directly reference some of the four stages that um, I talked about earlier. Yeah. And even the choice of wood is referencing like the fire necessary Whoa. for the transmutation Ooh. process and like the lead. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It was yeah. referencing like base metals. Oh, my um, yeah. My mind was blown. But it's amazing. Yeah. I feel love like it. there are all it. of these artists that like were really interested in alchemy and like, you don't know, like I didn't know.
1: Yeah. I mean, it makes like, theoretically it just makes sense that as an artist to be playing with compounds and chemicals and, elements to right. create something new like why not what else would you do you know what i mean right, like right. i love that it's making i don't know that's making this like comeback and it's showing up in contemporary oh, art and stuff i think it's super cool and magical and interesting yeah. and who knows maybe we'll learn how to transmute uh elements into gold Did you know right.
3: how the money we would save if we could figure out the whole water to wine oh
1: yeah
2: dude <laughs> <that's> for real <laughs>
1: Or if you just wanna send us wine, we're fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> that, would be
2: great.
1: that would be ideal. Alright. So that's all we have on Alchemy, even though we could go on forever and ever. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um it's it's really vast and there's so much and like I don't know. We might do an Alchemy Part 2 in the future because there's just... Yes. Yeah, dude, I'm down. Yeah, Me there's too. so much to do. But we are definitely going to also do a tarot episode that Faith will be on yes. for as well. I'm so excited for that one. So be looking out for that. And we'll probably do an Anselm Kiefer because... Please, please, Because <laughs> all about all about Kiefer. Um, but yeah, so let's head on over to listener mail. Jen, you got this one? Oh,
3: okay. So this is a cute one because this girl. <laughs> you'll, you'll see. You'll see All right, hi babes. I'm a babe too. <laughs> of course <laughs> you are. Um, what you can miss out from my super strange, too hard to pronounce name. Uh, yeah, I might have missed that. I'm not going to say your name, but it's hard to pronounce. So I'm just another girl living in Lithuania. That's Eastern Europe. Too far away to know anything about it, right? Hey, girl, I'm Lithuanian. <gasps>
0: I'm... I didn't even know! Yeah, my
3: girl... Are
1: you too? No, I was, I was just... Oh. <laughs> my uh, great-grandfather came from Lithuania. Wow! Yeah. Nice. Dude, that's
3: awesome. So, hey, uh, we know Lithu- Lithuania. <laughs> L- 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 kind of. <laughs> 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 All right, so... She's just another passionate art and art history lover. I wanted to thank you for helping me go through the past week in which I had to deal with a crazy 26-hour trip, bad jet lag, and some cultural back-to-routine shock. And I never used to listen to podcasts for some reason. I guess there wasn't an opportunity to know more about it or something like that. After finishing my babe book, 33 Artists and 3 Acts by Sarah Thornton, totally recommend, I was just kind of desperately searching for another good artsy thing, uh, which would not be a book. And after typing random art-related words in podcast search, I found you guys, and I'm really glad about it. So that's a big thank you. I really appreciate what you're doing, and the way you talk is very easy, but yet informative to listen to. I had a lot of art history classes in my life, which I started to attend in early middle school. Wow, I wish we had that. Yeah, for real. So I'm always happy to find someone who can talk about art and art history in this fun, comforting, but professional way. And now the funny coincidence part. As I said, I'm from Lithuania, but I was just visiting some of my family in San Francisco about a week ago, me and my brother decided to go to some random concert, and then we found Napalm Death performing at the chapel in the ah, mission. The chapel is so cool! Yeah! <laughs> the fun part is that I'm pretty sure I was standing near one of you guys, Jen. Yes! It was me! That's crazy! crazy! Oh my god. So yes, yes, it was a pretty great concert. God, what a cool coincidence! That's it for me. Thank you, girls. Keep it up. Hugs from cold and snowy Lithuania, where I am back.
1: That is so cool. I am so. I love how small. Wow, I know. I I was the first one to read this listener mail, and my mind was blown. I was like, (laughs) like, what? What are the (laughs) chances?
0: Man, that's
3: awesome. That was that was a really good concert. <laughs> um, you know, if the, any of the art history babes listeners are metalheads, uh, San Francisco just has everything. So if you ever want to live somewhere, uh, with a really thriving metal scene, the Bay area, California, it's the place to be. Dude,
1: we all need to go to a metal show with you. I would yeah. 100% be
3: down. I would I'm going,
4: go with you. I go
3: to, I like to so continue. many metal shows, you guys.
4: Yeah, come with me. You know that I'm culturally so curious about that whole <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> subculture. We've been talking about this for a while.
3: Yeah. Um, Nile is playing in February. <gasps> That's that Egyptian band. <laughs> you know I'm down for
2: that. Yeah,
3: i, I pretty good. <laughs> gotta have a song about, like, obelisks or something. Um, if but they, I'm if going. Well, Judy, Lake is like so in the wash. pit. <laughs> <laughs> yes! yes! I'm a huge fan. They talk, all their songs are about like Osiris. Like, I That's think that awesome. the guitarist is like an amateur Egyptologist. That's amazing. And literally, yeah. every album, every song is a. It's got something to do with ancient Egypt or some other, oh. like, mystical shit. Yeah. And they're just awesome. And they're super heavy and they're fast. And I love them. That sounds
2: super fun. Yeah. We need yeah. To go. I'll go. I'll, yes. go. I'll do it. I'll
4: do it. We'll all go. We're all gonna go. We're all gonna go. (laughs)
1: Nile, February twenty fourth. I can't wait. If you If you to be huge, if you want to hang out with the art history babes, that's where we'll be. Also, we're gonna be in Europe soon. We mentioned that already, but just a reminder. Reminder. (laughs) But thank you for listening to our alchemy episode. Um, If you have any like thoughts or questions about alchemy, please email them to us because it's like super interesting. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. we would love to know more. We'd love questions that kind of go deeper into this because it could go on for forever we could have an alchemy podcast yes, oh. there are alchemy podcasts They're amazing <laughs> oh, sure. oh that's fantastic um but thank you so much for listening uh please head over to our website arthistorybabes.com click around we really appreciate it seriously everything helps also if you're feeling extra giving patreon.com slash arthistorybabes we've gotten some really amazing uh, Contribution. So generous. So generous. And we really appreciate it. So if you can throw in a couple dollars, we really, really appreciate it. It helps us keep this going. You can follow us on Instagram at Art History Babes Podcast, Twitter at Art History Babes. Find us on Facebook, like us, all that jazz. We really appreciate it. You guys are awesome. We have like the best fans in the world. Thank you for listening. You're fantastic. Ciao. <laughs> Bye. From
0: to Mone, they're here to slay the art Did you
4: know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat